0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today is Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and is striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This is also vanity and a striving after wind. This is the word of the Lord. The early part of this chapter almost makes it sound like Solomon made his own life into a a human thought experiment, a human life experiment. This wouldn't actually be unheard of. I mean, this is what the prophets are in the Old Testament. God works through the prophets, oftentimes doing things in their lives, literally making use of moments of their life, even periods of their life. Hosea, uh, marrying a prostitute and having to continue to bring her back to himself, forgive her for her sins against him. Her unfaithfulness was a literal living metaphor for God and his church, as God is the faithful husband and the church, the adulterous bride. Isaiah um, wandering around naked in the wilderness, Uh, Ezekiel laying on his side for Days on end. Right? Just the way that God works through these things. And Solomon here seems to be putting himself into that camp. Here he has lived out this life of great wealth. To enjoy anything and everything humanly possible. In order to be able to put it into God's word for you. To see and to hear whether this is worth it. And his conclusion? It's all vanity. It's all Worthless. Pleasure, enjoying yourself, vanity. Filling yourself with wine, vanity. All these great works houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, trees, forests, slaves, possessions, herds, flocks, vanity. Treasures beyond belief, vanity. Many concubines, he had a thousand wives, vanity. A couple of verses that really show that this was a thought experiment uh, would be verse three, where he said, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And verse 10, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. As we look at, again, that idea of Solomon's many wives, men, don't take this as an excuse and say that you're going to follow Scripture and do this thing. Um, Those men who have been married, who are living as married to a bride, know that it is impossible to lovingly care faithfully for one wife, let alone more than one, let alone a thousand. Um, Be faithful in what the Lord has given to you. Solomon considered all the work of his hands, and it was all vanity. All the stuff he had acquired, all the worldly passions he had had chased after, none of them were worth anything. As we come into verse 13, we see a a double word pair, which really well throughout Scripture relates uh, to Jesus and sin. So we have wisdom paired with folly and light paired with darkness. Wisdom and light are both words that are used in scripture to describe Jesus. Folly and darkness are words describing sin. Just a neat little word pair there to pick up on. Verse 14, the wise and the fool, Solomon says that the same event happens to all of them. Just a question of clarity on the text for your children. See if they know what that means. What event is going to happen to both the wise man and the fool? And that is death all die. Solomon then says that he ended up hating life because it's all worthless. It'll all be forgotten. It'll all be left behind. So in himself, when focused on his his possessions, his works, he is seeing nothing but vanity. Even today's heroes of our own culture, if Christ doesn't return soon, they will eventually be forgotten. Solomon then recounts that he has to leave everything behind, and who knows whether the man will be wise or a fool. I don't know that it actually qualifies as irony, but Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who inherits the kingdom after he dies, squanders it was a terrible fool and lost most of the nation within the first month or two of his reign. You can read about that in First, first Kings chapter 11, I believe it is. So, wisdom in advance there um, for Solomon. He gave up his heart to despair. That's the sinful nature. Again, focusing on his own works is what he found. He found nothing but despair and worthlessness. Even in the night, his heart does not rest, down at verse 23. I think many of us relate to that. Uh, the level of anxiety and stress in our culture, uh, the way that that impacts our families and our homes, the way that it, it does cause those sleepless nights as we worry and fret over things really we have no control over, Solomon pointing out the worthlessness of that. That's a helpful reminder, and really it connects to Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, where Jesus encourages us to not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. In verse 24, we are told to eat, drink, and find enjoyment, that this is from the hand of God. God has created this world. He has created you. He has created all things. It's okay to enjoy things. It's okay to enjoy your life because it was a gift. It is a gift. It's not the purpose for why we're here, but it is okay to enjoy being here, uh, just not being of the world. Another saying of Jesus in the New Testament, in the world, not of the world kind of idea that we see so often in, in Scripture. We can ask our children here, what has God given you that you can enjoy? What has God given you that you can give thanks for? Lastly, uh, down in verse 26, that the one who collects all things will only see it given to one who pleases God. That's going to strike a parallel to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, where those two men who serve the Lord are welcomed into his kingdom and they receive the stuff of the man who didn't serve the lord so that third man who was afraid and buried the talent didn't use it um, didn't collect even interest on it it's taken away from him he's cast into hell and it's given to the one who had served who had most already so the lord does what he he wishes with what is his and all of creation is his so we can't understand that hidden will of the Lord, nor should we try. But what we do have are the things that God has revealed to us. And what more fantastic a thing has God revealed to us than his own son, the forgiveness of our sins and the life that we have in him. So we will continue tomorrow with chapter 3, which is a, another known, well-known section of this letter.